Hello and welcome to Let's Enter the Arena. I'm your host, VM Campos, and this is the podcast where I talk with a member of the Magic the Gathering community, where we focus on Magic Arena. Well, everyone, I've got a brand new guest to the podcast. Please welcome Marshmallow Cat. Hello there. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. Have you been on any podcasts before? Um, not, <laughs> no, not that I can remember. Not that you can remember. Okay, there was a little alien abduction that happened, eh? <laughs> nah, nothing like that. I uh, uh, there there was one where it was going to be recorded, and mm. then they ended up canceling. But I've never been a part of anything officially released. I guess is the way to put it. <laughs> okay, okay, good. This this one should also this one should be published, and uh, it should not disappear from the internet. So don't worry about that. Awesome. <laughs> Well, welcome to the podcast. Is there anything you'd like to promote? Any social media streams or anything of the like? Uh, yeah, I actually um, I have a YouTube channel, which I believe only has one video on it currently, but I would like to change that. And that's uh, Marshmallow Cat Gaming. Mm. Um, and my Twitter is at uh, Marshmallow Cat 6. Uh, yes, like the cable. <laughs> oh, okay, I get it. Now, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I thought you had to defeat five other Marshmallow Cats to get that. <laughs> but now I get it, Cat 6. Yes, yes. Like Highlander, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> and I also um, have a Twitch, which I haven't started streaming at yet, which I believe is also Marshmallow Cat Gaming. Mm-hmm. On the YouTube, uh, what are you planning on uploading there eventually? Um, I I don't want to entirely focus on Magic, um, but it is my favorite game, and I do plan on playing it a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but the other thing that I kind of do a lot that I have a lot of fun with is um, game randomizers and like roguelikes um, or mm-hmm. roguelite, uh, however you say it. Um, games like uh, Enter the Gungeon, um, I've recently gotten into Noida, mm-hmm. but Legend of Zelda Randomized is also like a really big thing. Um, mm-hmm. Pretty much almost every entry in the series at this point has some sort of randomized version. But like I said, it, there is going to be a lot of magic on there because it is my favorite game and I do intend on playing a lot of Arena. So, Oh good, so that's the only stipulation for being on this podcast people that have uh people that play magic and really enjoy it and so i'm glad to have reached out to you and gotten you on the podcast or thank so thank you for being on the show oh i thank you for having me <laughs> so how long have you played any form of magic either paper digitally or whatever um, the very first time I was ever introduced to magic was actually uh, in sixth grade by a girl that I had known for a very long time. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, all of us were getting into Yu-Gi-Oh! at the time because that had just started and was getting really big, like early, early days of Yu-Gi-Oh! Like, um, you know, like when going and buying a Kaiba deck could actually possibly like do something for you in a tournament just because it had <laughs> old powerful stuff that they should have never printed. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I started there and she introduced us to magic because we had gotten into card games really big. And unfortunately, she introduced me with um, a deck that was mono green and 
had the old uh, mechanic of you can choose to have the creature deal combat damage as though it weren't blocked. Oh. And the entire deck was based around that. So that just completely confused oh, my sure. concept of magic combat in general. <laughs> uh-huh, yeah. So I was just like, this is weird. I'm going to go back to Yu-Gi-Oh! And then a year later, magic started getting popular at my school and I tried it out again. And that, when I got into it then, it was... Um, Dark Steel, I think, was the recent set that had come out. Okay. So, yeah. <laughs> so about uh, original Miradin block or so is yeah. when you got into it. Yeah, exactly. Like I, I consider it my home plane. We will take it back someday. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it was it was wild getting introduced into such a turbulent era of magic i guess would be the way to put it i luckily didn't get too much into tournament play during that time Mm -hmm. but i had encountered people who had like fully built affinity decks and it was just like oh okay i'm gonna go play with someone else now because i just have this casual deck that (laughs) maybe once casts a tooth and nail for darksteel colossus but i didn't have kiki jiki (laughs) so (laughs) yeah well, that's cool. That's um, you never forget your first plane, definitely. And then there was I, I was not playing during that time. I actually first played in the 90s. Uh, but no, I don't have any Black Lotus or anything cool like that. Um, uh-huh. I played between 1995 and 1999. Um, and so I still have some of those old cards. They're all beat up. We didn't have sleeves back in the day. Yeah, yeah. Same here. <laughs> I gave it up for a while between 1999 and 2017. And uh, when I got back into it, it was uh, right after Hour of Devastation. So I've been back in Magic after Hour of Devastation 2017. Oh, wow. That's, yeah, I, <laughs> it sounds like you've played a decent amount of the eras that I missed. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. I started in Darksteel. And then the first long break that I had was right after the Future Sight pre-release. Mm-hmm. I just didn't have people to play with. So I dipped out right before Planeswalkers got introduced. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and then came back in with, I think it was Zendikar, um, because I found a play group in college to mm-hmm. play with. And that's where I started getting really competitively into the game oh. for at least a little while. Mm-hmm. And then... Um, it was around cons block that most of my friends from college had, you know, graduated and gone different places. And then I stopped again and I've gotten into magic, uh, with return to Ravnica. And mm-hmm. then I've just been playing again since. Oh, cool. From what I understand that happens a lot that people start off when they're young and then they play a little bit and then they, they stop for whatever reason. And then they come back a little later. And there's sort of these cycles and things, so that's exactly what happened with me. But um, from uh, from the various people that I've talked with, um, it always seems to to be like that that they start off for a little while, they stop for a little while, and then they come back, and now they're they're back in it again in in the latest generations of Magic. So um, that's just cool to see or to hear different people's perspectives. Yeah, it's because it's also all really fun to talk to people who who you know like have have played in the older days where it was why are you playing a creature spells are just better your only creature should be the one that wins you the game eventually (laughs) and now it's just aggro everywhere (laughs) Mm -hmm. i mean you can still play control obviously but 
aggressive strategies just kind of weren't a thing mm-hmm. as much in the early days unless it was mono red just throw bolts at your face yeah i do remember playing with a lot of house rules back in the day now back in the day you you would get a little starter deck it would have a, a 60 card deck which was not that playable it was just a bunch of cards that they threw in there into a little 60 card deck that was that cost 7.99 and it had a little instruction booklet that tried to condense all the magic rules and i remember reading through that book i'm like wow this sounds really complicated and i think i'll be able to play it if i i think i'll be able to understand it if i just play but there were just still so many rules about blocking and there was a thing called mana burn back in the day do you know about that oh yeah yeah, it was the weirdest thing for me to be playing during Scars of Mirrodin and like reread the reprint of Mindslaver, and then it's just like, oh yeah, they don't need to mention Mana Burn this time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, the game has really changed because I didn't play when Planeswalkers were introduced, and then when I got back into it in Hour of Devastation, 2017 or so, I remember uh, meeting at the playgroup, and then uh, Christy, when she brought out her Nissa Planeswalker, I'm like, what is that card? I don't even understand it. What are those three lines, and what's this plus one, and all of that, and how do I even deal with this uh, card? So magic really changed between the big break that I took, and it's kind of interesting that I still kept all my cards from you know 1999 to 2017 or so. I just never played it. I kind of still saw that it was be- there existing in the world, and I remember original Innistrad being released and kind of thought it was interesting, but I just never got back into the cards until 2017. So the latest and greatest version of magic nowadays is Magic Arena. How long have you been playing uh, Magic Arena. Um, like I said, like with Return to Ravnica, when pretty much as soon as I heard that it was coming out of beta, because I had friends who were playing it in the closed beta, mm-hmm. um, and it was was actually going to be open to the public, I was like, oh, well, that's that's perfect. I'll just have a way to play Magic whenever I want to again, because like with Magic Online. I would occasionally pop in and see when they had like phantom cube drafts mm-hmm. and that was about the only thing that I would do. Um, but yeah, like arena just kind of hands you stuff and is like, I mean, if you keep playing, you keep getting packs and eventually get more things and, you know, and like, it also feels like actual magic or it's one of set, you know, releases, you can just buy a box. Mm-hmm. Like it's, I don't know. I've, I've been, I've been enjoying it. There's certain aspects to it that I don't agree with in terms of just, I know it's them making, you know, business money decisions Mm -hmm. and all of that sort of stuff. But like, it's still magic. The game is still always going to be fun. Definitely. I've had a lot of fun with Arena for sure. I've uh, got back into paper magic, but then when you can't meet up with your playgroup to be able to fire up Magic Arena whenever you want is really cool. So I uh, requested the closed beta access in January 2018, and then it was until uh, April 2018 that I got the invite to it. So in the meantime, I was trying out Magic Online. And I haven't logged into Magic Online since I got the Magic Arena invite in April 2018. So all my cards are are missing me since then. And so I've been playing um, a little bit of everything on Magic Arena. Is there any sort of mode that you like the best on Arena? We've got Brawl. We've got the best of three, best of one, draft. 
Definitely Brawl. I've been almost entirely doing best of ones while I've been playing. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I do drafts when I can. I really enjoy Limited. But um, Brawl specifically is... I've always been a big fan of EDH Commander. Mm-hmm. Um, so just having some sort of equivalent to that on Arena specifically is fantastic. Like, I don't know. Singleton formats are... They, they they feel a little bit like sort of a cross between constructed and limited where you need mm-hmm. to be able to maximize each card that you're playing because you've only got one copy of it kind of like you need to do in limited mm-hmm. but you actually get to build your deck and have a curve and all of that sort of stuff you know significantly mm-hmm. more but it's also the fact that just cards that you wouldn't think would be viable at all Mm -hmm. there's just like in edh specifically (laughs) there's so many ways that you can fit different cards into decks and that's what i like about it the most i totally agree i've been having a lot of fun on brawl isn't it interesting that you know wizards announced this new format and unfortunately it didn't really have very good support the community didn't seem to really like it and it's like why do i want to play with a rotating format like a uh, commander i'll just play commander but isn't it great that they were able to uh, implement it in arena and uh, you know as of this recording i it's only on wednesdays if you want to play the whole world but they uh, are giving us that ability to uh, craft these decks these singleton decks make decks that are that are out of card are out of cards that uh, like you said they might not be usually viable but yeah i do need another kill spell so let me put in that five mana cost sorcery that'll kill the creature but at least i have another answer to the creature yeah exactly it 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 forces you to look at deck construction and in, in just a really different way that you're not used to when you're just jamming four ofs of your best cards, you know, to try to always get that like specific curve. It's, mm-hmm. oh, you know, I can't just throw in another shock. I can't just throw in more of the same. It, I, <laughs> like I said, it also makes not just cards that, not just cards that you wouldn't normally see viable but really good Mm. like guardian project is suddenly just a four mana oh every time you Mm. play a creature you draw a card you know like yeah my last guest actually was also singing the praises of guardian project it's like yeah i don't see that card in any constructed decks but in a brawl deck or a commander deck, a singleton deck, it definitely works because it, it of its very nature. So it's really cool that we're able to still craft car, craft decks out of these cards. Now, uh, in general, what uh, kind of colors do you gravitate to when you when you play Magic? I very much gravitate towards blue red, like <laughs> just completely and honestly. Um, I consider myself like color identity wise uh just guy red white blue mm-hmm. um but it's more often than not what can i play blue with or mm-hmm. what can i play red with mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. but it's mostly like i said red and blue i had uh niv at the fire mines edh deck for a very very long time mm-hmm. um one of the actually one of the decks that i've been doing the best with in Brawl is um, a Royal Scions EDH deck that's just kind of mm-hmm. aggressive dudes, burn, bounce spells, just tempo mm-hmm. with 
you know, a three drop planeswalker that keeps giving plus two plus oh first yeah. strike and trample to stuff. <laughs> yeah. And then like the voice acting, how they trade off. It's either Will talking sometimes or Rowan talking sometimes and with their cute accents. Uh, that's a pretty fun card. Yeah, it's... <laughs> I'm a little bit glad I didn't go for an Oko deck <laughs> because it was between the two of those that I just, uh -huh. I, I went with my colors because it just sounded more fun. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's what it's always been about for me. Like I did get really competitive for a while, but one of the main reasons that I stopped was it wasn't fun anymore. Mm -hmm. Like not exactly wasn't fun anymore. It's just, I keep, doing the same things with the same deck and I, I i enjoy the decks that i'm playing i never just go to a tournament being like well this is this is what shows the best numbers mm -hmm. i've i've never been that kind of a person i understand the people who do like it's it's magic if you just have fun playing magic whatever 75 you're bringing to your tournament like you go you like that's awesome <laughs> mm -hmm. but i i don't know i've always kind of been the person i won't go specifically against the meta all the time but just whatever i think is the most fun and that's usually combo decks whenever they're available <laughs> mm -hmm. when i got back into magic i started to do youtube videos um, and one of the first one that I did was I actually still had one of my old decks from the 90s still intact. So I went through the deck in a YouTube video and then I uploaded it, you know, 20 year old Demir deck. So back in the day, I was apparently <laughs> playing Demir, but it wasn't called Demir yet. And I always gravitated yeah. apparently to black and blue. And I still do now. I like that. But I also like Orzhov. I also like black and white. So it seems that the common denominator there is I like black, either black and white or black and blue. And, you know, if I'm trying to play like my the what I really like to play is like really annoying blue black decks that either mill the person's deck or hand and steal their creatures and do all of that nefarious shenanigans. But um, I don't go full power with those kinds of decks in my real life play group because I, I don't want my opponents to feel bad and, and I love them. So I don't want to hurt them. So I'm not so <laughs> demir ish as, as, as I could be. Oh, yeah, I completely understand that. Um my girlfriend actually uh the thing that she does to keep herself busy is um just kind of basically build decks that are like on the pre-constructed level mm -hmm. um with what she's got around and you know what's like kind of keeping them budgeted and all of that sort of stuff not like and it's really fun because keeping that in mind and her keeping to the same formula you can you know play your black devotion deck from old theros against something that's you know like like an arcbound deck from meriden mm -hmm. and because they're designed to be at similar power levels like it all just works so like usually the times that i play paper magic it's um with my my girlfriends and their friends mm -hmm. and it's usually these pre-constructed decks or the pre-constructed commander decks mm -hmm. and so yeah most <laughs> when i when i'm not trying to jam ranked in arena most hmm. of my play is pretty casual and it's it's just a fun game anytime you're playing it <laughs> 
definitely when you have like stipulations and such, I love building decks that are very tribal based. You know, they might not be the most powerful, but it's like, I want to build a, um, a vampire deck. I really like the Ixalan block, which was full of vampires and pirates and dinosaurs and the sun empire and all of that. I, I like that, uh, that block a lot just because you could really focus. And it, I actually made some dinosaur decks and such, you know, in green or red and such. And I don't play those colors as much, but I had fun with, with dinosaurs. Yeah. I Tribal is also really fun to do. I like the high synergy, high synergy decks are just <laughs> whenever you're, whenever you're playing guys and making all of your other you know, dinosaurs, pirates, whatever <laughs> they be better, it's always really fun. <laughs> like, yeah. like decks with plus one, plus one counter synergies and stuff like that are very similar, where it's just the more you do, the more things are getting crazy. And it. Mm -hmm. Well, how do you feel about cat decks, cat based decks? Oh, yes. Yes. Cats are always good. <laughs> <laughs> One of the first decks that I put together when I got back into Magic was a Selesnia cat deck, and I still have it, and I gotta, I gotta break it out and tune it up again because uh, that was fun. I like cats in real life, and I thought, well, let me make some, let me bring cats plus Magic together and see what I get. Yeah, um, I think the first time I did anything cat tribal related, <laughs> because of course I have, um, <laughs> oh, was um it was a kemba edh deck oh, okay. and i believe the way she works is every equipment you put on her you get a 2-2 cat token on your upkeep yeah and so it was more you know going wide i guess it's tribal decks mostly are mm. but i had kemba actually in that deck that i uh, oh that's awesome that I put together so um, yeah, she's cool. And I actually I do recall I did do a slight variation on it a year or so later after I got some regal caracals from Amon Cat. That's the cat lord that gives all your cats plus ones. And the cat and the caracal brings two, uh, two cat friends. And so the Caracal gives all your cats plus one, plus one, and lifelink. So you have this big old cat party. And so I definitely have four of those in that deck. Oh, wow. Yeah, no, that sounds great. <laughs> <laughs> That's something that I've been really excited that I've been seeing when I've been paying attention is that they've been trying to put out more and more lords for obscure tribes. <laughs> mm -hmm. I really appreciate that. Mm -hmm. Well, then they did sort of a cop out in that they printed Marathon, that one um, morph uh, legendary in uh, Modern Horizons. Did you see that one when that one... Oh yes, the the any commander basically. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, as long as it's making my cat stronger, I guess I'll invite him into the tribe. Yeah, exactly. It's it cuz not only not only does it let you play with like the tribes where they just kind of have one or two obscure cards that are like in the wrong colors, like I think there's some red spiders and mm. stuff like that, you know. <laughs> and it's it's also fun to just no matter what tribe you're doing if it's a larger tribe like um i, I guess dragons are a bad example because they already have a lot of five color lords but say you're doing you know like demons or angels or something then you mm. can just have green in the deck to ramp because those are traditionally bigger creatures yeah and so it just allows for a lot of flexibility and i like that aspect 
a ton. <laughs> I just mm. wish it wasn't so expensive. <laughs> yeah. Seven mana, I believe it is, or is it eight? Mm, not sure, but it sounds uh, something like that, a pretty good investment. Now, if you can define it, what uh, sort of level of magic are you at? Beginner, intermediate, advanced, somewhere in the middle? I There's very few things that I would legitimately say I call myself good at in any capacity, and that's magic and playing saxophone. Oh. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I guess I would consider myself an advanced player, yeah. Uh, like I said, I've been playing since Darksteel. Okay, so serious question. How much of an influence was Lisa Simpson on your saxophone life? Um, quite a bit, honestly. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, I she I always liked her as a character. I mean, it is arguably notorious for some Simpsons fans that character, uh, you know, some of her later episodes have been I guess character ruining is the way to put it, but um, in early Simpsons, she was a great character and definitely an influence on me just kind of in general, you know, being yeah. a small little nerdy played saxophone <laughs> in the 90s. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I, I think uh, if I look back on all the characters, she's probably my favorite character. I just always kind of loved her like smart liberal attitude and just a really creative person and can be introspective. I haven't watched The Simpsons in a long time, so I don't know how she's been ruined, but I've still got all my memories from the good old days. Yeah, yeah. And that's, I don't know. I, f- I feel like that's a way that you kind of have to. Well, I don't have to look at The Simpsons that way, but it depends on what you what you enjoyed about it, I guess. Where the, it's been on the air for so long, and so many people debate about when it "quote unquote" got bad. But like, <laughs> if it's still showing, people are still watching it. I don't know. Yeah. Well, there was that really old quote that you know something like uh, the show will continue to go on as long as it remains profitable. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Well, this has been another episode of Simpsons Talk with VM Campos. (laughs) So, um, okay, so you're towards the advanced level of magic. Okay, very cool. Um, I, uh, when I played back in the 90s, I I would say totally beginner because, again, I was just playing with a lot of house rules. And then when I gave it up and got back into magic, I I was like, I have to start all over because where's... Uh, where's mana burn? Where's bending? Why is the frame different and all of that? But then now that I've been playing uh, since 2017, people are asking me now, how does this work? How does that work? Now, I haven't played any tournaments and I don't play really like serious level, but in the play group that I play, I'm towards one of the advanced players. But like, I guess on the general public, I'm somewhere intermediate. And then I guess if you want to rank based on like arena, well, I've made it up to diamond level three for whatever that means. Oh, yeah, no, that's that's definitely higher than I've ever gotten. I then again, like I said, I'm not exactly the kind of person who can always, I used to tournament grinds like Uh a bunch, but, but these days, I don't know. Mm -hmm. It's (laughs) some days you just gotta take a break. Yeah. Because no matter how many times you join in on that queue, if you're not, like, level-headed, you're still just not going to play well. <laughs> yeah. It definitely is an eye-opener that 
you get people that are really good and you better be on your game and one wrong move and it could really have you spiral out of control and and I know that I've um, gotten uh, a, a lot of frustration sometimes when I'm like, well, I'm so close. I just need one more game and I get to the next level. And then, okay, I lose that one. Then I lose another one. And then I fall back three slots or whatever. And it's like, well, I'm done for the moment. I don't want to play this game ever again. But then I go watch some po- uh, some videos about magic or listen to podcasts about magic. And I'm like, I want to go play magic again. Yeah, that <laughs> that definitely happens to me a lot too, where it's <laughs> I one of the things that happens to me the most it seems to be is I'll have a really grueling control mirror and then <laughs> I'll just have to be like okay I I need a moment I'm gonna go do something else for a bit and then I, because I want to go return to magic at some point I'm listening about it and it's like no <laughs> no I I need to get back in <laughs> yeah well, speaking of getting back in, is there any single card at the moment that you're enjoying on Arena? That's tough. I mean, I can say... <laughs> I guess I can say a single card that I I dislike seeing the most, but my <laughs> favorite at the moment is probably actually the Royal Scions, because like I said, I've been playing that deck as, as, as much as I can. I have also been playing many, many a green deck with Gilded Goose. I mm. really like Gilded Goose as just an answer to, we want green players to be able to ramp, but the fact that they always have land or else if you can't kill it is just way too good. Yeah. So here's just, you know, sometimes you can have mana, like you can get that three drop for sure if they don't have the shock. But mm. yeah, I, I would probably say the Royal Sons <laughs> has been my favorite. It's just been really fun having a, a I guess Rawl is a good as at Planeswalker, but he was a five drop. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and sometimes you just want to tempo people instead because like with when I got into Arena again with Return to Ravnica, it was just Kai Control and then they printed Kaya's Wrath, so it was nothing but Esper Control. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so a lot of my ranked play during that era was just control, control, control. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's cool. I have seen people using the Royal Scion pretty well. And um, what do you think about the recent bannings that were really striking down green? Oh, yes. Those are a big deal. Um, if you had, If you would come at me a while ago, my favorite card question i would have said field of the dead um mm-hmm. and if you would come at me earlier i would have said once upon a time <laughs> it feels like almost every band they've done on arena i've had four of at least <laughs> one of the cards involved <laughs> mm-hmm. well you got some nice wild cards for them i hope oh yeah yeah that's it's nice, but it's also like sometimes it was I spent other wild cards as other part of the decks too. Yeah. Like it is it is really nice that they can immediately just be like, Well, you can get whatever you want that's equivalent. Yeah. Because, you know, when you when you drop money on a card and yeah. then it gets banned, that feels way worse. Mm-hmm. So not to show off, but one of the packs that I opened in real life did have an Oko. And oh, nice. um 
It wasn't like any foil or full art or anything like that, but it was a regular Oko. And um, I need to show my friend, uh, I need to show off to my friend and say, hey, look at all of these banned cards that I have. These cards are so good, they're banned, but I have them because I do have a, uh, I managed to crack one uh, Field of the Dead. I I did crack one. Uh, Once Upon a Time, I did uh, crack one Oko. And oh, I, I had uh, three Veils of Summer from uh, Corsa 2020. So I want to show off to her and say, look at all these cards, they're banned, but I have them. Yeah. <laughs> it is. Um, as I got into magic, my sister has been kind of like watching me a little bit. Um, she mostly just knows about like the story and like small like rules interactions and cards and stuff like that and mm-hmm. we've been watching videos uh about various topics in magic and some of them the the one it was about um like cards that got banned and were unbanned and absolutely shouldn't have been re-unbanned <laughs> and just like watching her just read mystical tutor and be like when did they ever think that was okay <laughs> uh-huh. but uh well let me show off on that i have it i have an original mystical tutor from back in the 90s and it's all beat up oh yeah yeah they they typically <laughs> i mean if the cards were played that's better than thinking that they've just been in pristine condition yeah. in a box somewhere doing nothing <laughs> yeah and it's funny to look at it because the original printing, that's when they had a whole different type of card type, which was mana source. And so the original printing says you may go get a instant sorcery or mana source. And it's like, oh, what does that even I... mean? Yeah. Didn't it also have like interrupts? I yes, think, exactly. Back yeah. when that was a thing. <laughs> yep. It's got interrupts and mana sources, which don't exist anymore. So now it just says, go get any uh, instant or sorcery you want. Uh, yeah. I... <laughs> That is one of the weirder things about magic is just how long it's been around and how many times the rules have changed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, and, and just the cards have looked differently so many different times. Like, mm-hmm. it, It's even weird to think that like foiling hasn't been a thing that's been part of the game forever. That was... I think it was Urza's Legacy. One of the Urza block yeah. um, sets was the first one, if I remember correctly. Like, I think so, yeah. And then also the Mythic Rarity. That wasn't a, oh. a thing always. Oh, no, yeah. That was that was another thing that I completely missed out on because that started with um, Alara block and Lorwyn and Alara were the two that I missed between Future Sight and Zendikar. Mm-hmm. So... The very, funny enough, the very first pack that I ever got <laughs> when I got back into magic was a Chandra Ablaze. Oh, okay. And I was like, what is this thing? Why <laughs> does this cost six? What are these numbers? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then I started actually looking into magic and, and, and looking in more and more. Chandra plays is a planeswalker, but they're not even like super that great of a planeswalker. And I'm like, oh, I opened a mythic and it was like a bunk one. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Now you um you seem to play a certain archetype and such. So what uh type of uh deck are you enjoying? You've already said you're kinda liking, you know, the Royal Scions. Is that or any other decks um uh one that you're liking uh playing at the moment? I probably my favorite deck 
at the moment would be yeah i'd have to say i'd have to say that one i also have a um oh, i'm trying to remember who the the commander of my blue white deck is i think it might be to fairy mm-hmm. that deck is pretty fun um like i said i kind of tend to gravitate a little more towards control but sometimes i want to break from it mm-hmm. but um that that Teferi deck, it, it looks like it's trying to be a control deck, but it's actually got like a bunch of interplay interactions and stuff. And I think I think just in terms of like what I put into the deck and the fun that I had with it, I think I I would say that one is a little bit more my favorite. Like the, the Royal Scions deck is significantly up my alley, but like I don't know. The the, the idea of in, entering a brawl match with someone and they put up little teferi and you're like oh no and then they're just instead doing you know like i'm playing in um i'm playing like foreboding spirits or like doing shenanigans with like deputy of detention or or you know just nothing but enters play effects rather than the long grind of you thinking you're against a control player mm-hmm. <laughs> Subverting expectations is a a very fun thing that I like to do with the game when I can. Mm-hmm. Now I was playing Simic Flash. Okay, well before the rotation, I was playing Mono Blue Tempo. I really like that. I really like the the Autumn Burchett build. So I was built. I was playing that a lot, and that got me up to gold and then uh, platinum and such. And uh, then after rotation, I I went over to Simic Flash and I was enjoying that because it also had like the, you know, flash creatures and some counter spells and stuff. And then I I really hit a wall in in Platinum this last month. I just could not get past Platinum 4. So I went with Mono Black Midrange and that one got me all the way through Platinum to Diamond. So that's the deck I've been playing at the moment. There's um, Ayara, what's her name? Ayara something something of Lachtwain. Um, so it dings the opponent when you summon black creatures and you gain life. You've got a little bit of a, uh, hand uh, disruption. You've got some things you can recur with Ayara. You can sacrifice a black creature, draw a card, and the creature you're sacrificing is something like Gutter Bones, so you can keep bringing it back. You've got Rankle that can get in there for haste damage and have them discard a card or whatever. So I've kind of been enjoying Mono Black, and that took me all through through Platinum this this season. Yeah, that sounds that actually sounds really solid. Um, uh, one of the decks that I played against it seems that sounds a little similar to like a green black thing that i've been doing so it just being mono black is probably significantly more efficient Mm -hmm. Uh, rankle is a wild card in my opinion (laughs) (laughs) yeah the animation's pretty funny pops out and he kind of like uh does an offensive hand uh, gesture to you (laughs) if you notice carefully and then you can attack Mm -hmm. and do weird stuff with him so he's cool now, I always call him. Uh, I always call him uh, Rankle, Master of Prankle, but uh, that's not his real name. <laughs> yeah, I as a control player, any creature that has the word haste on it, I have to pay attention to, and that is a very big one. Um, so <laughs> back when I said what my uh, you asked me what my favorite favorite single card was, mm-hmm. and I said I have a favorite or a least favorite single card uh-huh. uh it's definitely questing beast oh yeah <laughs> uh 
Like the only saving grace is that it's legendary. Exactly. Like it's it's I'd I'd rather be playing against like Thrun the Last Troll right now if there was some <laughs> insane legendary four drop. I it ah <laughs> uh, I it feels like every time you think you're okay to just put down a planeswalker, they've got it every time or you know you think you're like oh okay it's cool i'll i'll put out my planeswalker they'll put down a token it's fine oh rankle that's flying haste <laughs> like i it's i am very much a blue player in any moment that i don't have open mana i feel incredibly vulnerable <laughs> <laughs> yeah and just haste creatures are pretty much the reason that I feel that way. <laughs> well, we had that one, uh, what was it called? Shifting Ceratops or something? We had that one that had, that you could, the, the, they could give it haste, they could give it reach, and it was also, you know, a big old 4 4 dinosaur, I guess. Then they pushed it with Questing Beast that has the haste, is unblockable by smaller creatures, and if it deals damage, whoops, I also did damage to your, to your planeswalker. So that's so pushed. Yeah. Yeah, and it's it's power two or less. So yeah. even like Liliana's tokens can't block him. Like the beast is insane. <laughs> I it just oh it it has it has so much text, which I would expect a mythic to be able to do a lot, but <laughs> I don't know. It definitely feels like they want to push green in a lot of ways and they definitely succeeded way too well <laughs> mm -hmm. do you keep up to date with like the official watsi announcements and all of that not i i guess the technical answer is yes because every time they happen i usually hear about them from my girlfriend so yeah, I don't check in like I don't do the I don't go to daily MTG every day, but I, I do check in and I follow several different Twitter accounts and personalities in in on Twitter and, you know, Emma Handy and, you know, the good luck high five ladies and just a lot of people. And so I think I, I'm always keeping up to date with that. And I, w I went off and I read the official Watsi blog about uh, like their justifications about the bannings and it was like yep we were trying to work on making green a little better because it wasn't quite there in the last few sets and whoops we we went a little too far and so yeah i was surprised that they did the three bannings uh they had oko and veil of summer and once upon a time and then plus you know um uh field of the dead but it looks like they were swinging the pendulum a little bit too much uh, to one side with green and they had to swat it back for a little bit oh very much so i i can't believe that field of the dead got printed as it was like i can a little bit it feels like what they wanted is they wanted to have in any color like almost valakut sort of parallel valakut the mountain pinnacle mm -hmm. um because that under normal circumstances won't start doing any damage until you have seven lands out yeah. <laughs> um but instead this was just making zombies any color but they just have so many different multicolor lands and so many ways to get lands and that with um mm -hmm. oh 
what was what was was it Field of Ruin, the the non basic land that could also blow up other non basics yeah. like that just leaving at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just absolutely too good of a card. I mean, I saw it and I immediately got four. And <laughs> rather than getting Goloses, admittedly, which I probably should have, I just made the deck more green and jammed in Cavalier of Thorns. But mm. yeah, hmm. I they they it it it's very clear from the cards that they printed that they've just felt like well everybody's either playing control or aggro and like Hydroid Crisis is the mid range card kind of right now. So mm-hmm. yeah. They did a really good job pushing green because they had to ban. Mm-hmm. Um, every time I read Oko, <laughs> just just every time my opponent played it, it was just oh, so many abilities. I just either you're you're constantly gaining life with the food tokens so that the aggro just isn't doing anything or constantly turning the guys that I'm trying to attack Oko with into three threes while you have bigger stuff. Just, yeah. He mm-hmm. <laughs> absolutely needed to go. Oko mm. needed to go. We have Oko Nomo. Yeah. <laughs> now, have there been any cool, funny, weird moments that you've uh, had on Arena that you can recall? Oh, um... One thing that I absolutely regret never recording, I think I'm actually going to do a recording of because all of the cards are still on Arena, and it'll probably still crash the game, <laughs> is um, I had a deck that the entire point of it was to stick... Um, oh, what's the name of the enchantment? Um, it's whenever an opponent draws a card, they have to pay two or you make a treasure token. That's uh, Smothering Tithe. Yes, Smothering smothering Tithe. Um, you get that out, and then you play Emergency Powers, mm-hmm. which makes everybody, you know, shuffle in and draw seven, so you immediately get seven triggers. So mm-hmm. if your opponent's tapped out and you happen to have another copy of Emergency Powers, you can keep going. Huh. And because you're playing them on your main, you're playing them on your main phase... If you get another Smothering Tithe, then you make mana. Hmm. And so you can essentially just eventually make enough mana to Banefire somebody, and that was the point of the deck. But there was one time where I got a ridiculous amount of Smothering Tithes out before I started comboing, (laughs) and Arena just had hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of triggers and was just chugging along until eventually it crashed. (laughs) (laughs) I had a moment where one of the cards that I like a lot at the moment is Revenge of Ravens. So that's the black enchantment that whenever the opponent attacks, uh, they lose one life and I gain one life. So as the wise man said, reading the card explains the card. My opponent didn't read the card. They attacked with, um, you know, seven or eight of their creatures and, uh, well, I just got eight life out of that. You got eight minus life, and uh, it killed them because they would just wanted to swing all in with everything. And they, in the Revenge of Ravens, those little ravens protected me. So that was one of my favorite <laughs> moments recently. And if you look, if you look closely at the art of Revenge of Ravens, that's the most violent card I've ever seen because the guy's like totally bleeding from the eyes, and there's birds all over the place. Have you ever looked at it carefully? Oh no! Yeah, there's the. <laughs> 
the artwork is has always been phenomenal but like <laughs> if you look like as, as, with like some of the Innistrad cards and stuff and yeah let me actually bring this up because I have seen it but I've never looked into it in that much detail because it's uh, I I don't I don't exactly want to say I get like woozy or anything but like once you hit a certain amount of gore I have that immediate like Ugh, okay I need to look away for like a second here and I remember that being one that <laughs> very much did that for me um a friend of mine really really disliked uh seeing drill bit every time it was cast as well okay yeah let me pull that up also yeah drill bit it's it's like it's hilarious. Well, not hilarious. It's interesting how, like, first of all, the color palette is amazing. There's, like, these reds and purple tones. Then there's a guy that he's totally reveling and he's totally happy. And then here comes one of these insane clown posse guys about to drill him in the head with a huge drill. Uh, I just think the, the, the flavor text is horrible. But besides that, I think the art is really nice. Yeah. Yeah. The... <laughs> Uh, it it uh, it feels like they they of the pun worked and then just thought eh it's good enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, uh, it's there's a lot of ominous art in the Throne of Eldraine cards. If you look at the food token with like the uh, pastries strewn on the floor, if you look behind the if you look towards the background, there is a wolf's paw in the grass so you really focus on the food on the ground but it's because little red riding hood or whoever dropped their basket of 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 goodies and the wolf is right there oh yeah no you totally can that's fantastic <laughs> <laughs> there's i remember seeing recently that somebody did a video about all of the literary references and there are i mean playing at that pre-release was so much fun Mm -hmm. just just opening packs and just being like oh i know what that is you know <laughs> like i managed to pull together a night deck at that pre-release that actually did really well and mm -hmm. yeah i it, it's uh, other than it being really difficult to be aggressive because of the amount of food being around making everybody gain life but yeah. like that was also fun because you got to see everybody's cards mm-hmm like I said, the art's always been phenomenal, and there's always little things that you don't necessarily because you're just busy playing the game. You mm. know? Mm -hmm. There's definitely been cards that I've played with that card over and over on Arena, but then if I have like a real-life version of it, I look at it a little bit more carefully, and I see things that I didn't notice, even though I was playing the card over and over on Arena. Now, if you consider yourself a little bit towards the advanced realms of magic what advice would you give to newer players it looks like we're getting a lot of new players thanks to arena and they're coming to play in real life and such so what would you tell them as some advice um the number one thing that i think took me from from starting to get out of my like beginner area and realizing just how much i could do with magic is just remembering if it's an instant, if you can do it at instant speed, you can wait to do it any time. You, you don't have to tap out. Just, like, keep your mana up, wait, because, yes, that one creature that they have out that you can kill might be really, really, really good. 
but they might play something significantly worse, and you wish you, you know you spent that mana killing the next guy instead of just immediately killing their two drop. Mm-hmm. That's that's the big thing is making sure you know when you cast your spells and when you spend your mana is is maximized and you have as much information as possible when you make your decision. Mm-hmm. I completely agree on that. Definitely the interactivity of magic is something that takes a beginner player to the next level that it's you know, turn, pass turn, but I could do things on your turn. I could do things, you know, right after you untap. I could do things at the end of your turn. So that's definitely the next level. So moving on to like our thoughts about uh, how might we improve magic? Do you have any opinions on improving the game, the software, the company, the community, anything, any thoughts on that? Um, I mean, there's one obvious joke that I can make here, I feel, but the community has already voiced their, um, disapproval of the decision to no longer have, uh, Chandra and Nyssa possibly be a thing. Mm-hmm. Did you, did you read, however, that, that Wizards of the Coast did do a, an announcement about that today? Oh, I actually had not seen that. That's great. If there's more news where it settled at. <laughs> yeah, let's let's do some breaking news right on the podcast, even though people will hear this a week later. But um, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's pull that up right there. If you want, if you go to uh, Daily MTG. Okay. Yeah, I've I've seen articles about players quitting the game because yeah. of this. Well, not specifically just this. There. Um, have been other things, and it's been a little bit of a culmination. So basically, Wizards is saying, we apologize, we didn't live up to expectations. Yeah. And uh, they, they do say, uh, Chandra will love and be involved with many characters as the story unfolds, regardless of gender. So... Yes, that part's important. Exactly. I don't know if, uh, you know, that that's the thing. Like, they, they hired this author and people didn't love his previous novel. And now it felt like it was even a worse direction. And it's like from someone like maybe a carpetbagger that like, you don't know these characters, you don't know their backstory. And then you you erase her her bisexuality. And it's like you really like put your 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 you really pushed it down and it's like wow I, I wasn't expecting that and that was very disappointing so hopefully this uh news of the day shows that yeah they the community backlash and the effect and hopefully they improve things yeah um i definitely hope so too because I mean, as as it's been said many times, the the specific wording of the way that it was mm-hmm. in the novel and everything just upset a lot of people um, for good reason. Mm-hmm. And it, I definitely think it was specifically more about how it was handled and how they made it sound like it was it was by erasure and not just that they didn't have a chance to be together because it was a missed opportunity, which mm-hmm. that 
that sounds a little bit more like what it was trying to be. I don't know. Um, but I am really happy that they they actively have said, you know, like, this doesn't mean that she is just straight, like, that that was actually a real thing and we weren't just, you know, mm-hmm. pretending, I guess is the way to put it. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean representation is is very important i literally cried last night because i started playing the outer worlds and the first companion that you get um not exactly spoilers or anything just the first (laughs) companion that you get she ends up asking you like there's this um there's this girl that I know on this ship that we're going to be going to anyway for our mission. And she really knows a lot about like really knows a lot about ships and all of this sort of stuff. And I could just tell from the way that she was talking about her, like, Oh, Mm -hmm. this character is interested in this girl. Like Mm -hmm. it's when you write things with, you know, like actual, you know, like honesty, and and actually write them real you know like everything about the way it was it felt like it was almost like a forced someone higher up said oh you need to put this in here and it just kind of happened Mm -hmm. it's very dicey Mm -hmm. i i'm still upset that it happened and it's wild that i don't want to straight up say it's a product of them having you know, like an actual like bigger you know like team associated with it and it being separate and not more in-house like it used to be but whatever's going on it's very clear that this was a moment where things messed up and they didn't intend at all like this game from the very beginning has had he or she on all of its part yeah they've known it's just a game anyone's gonna pick it up like and we should now that you know we're in a a more conscious era about representation and you know like Mm -hmm. having everyone from all walks of life you know in your and in your media yeah exactly like it's you it it's great because i feel like not only is it this representation is happening and it's important people who are seeing themselves in media you know are actually going to you know grow up feeling more okay about themselves but it's also the aspect of as things are getting more you know um more okay to talk about and just you know the world is opening up to just how many different types of people there really are in it it Mm. also lets writers you know have different types of characters that they can write and like i said it's if you don't if it doesn't feel like there's any honesty in the character that you're writing then what's what's the point of having them be held up as as this representation of of you know like hey we're trying to be something different in in this world full of hate and then then it's just it feels immediately like things aren't any different and 
it's very clear, like, as, as I've said to someone who's, you know, stuck with this game for a long time and has read novels and never felt like, you know, I, I couldn't be a part of this world. Mm-hmm. That hurt a lot. <laughs> mm-hmm. Because, I mean, there's, there's one, one live gay couple and one dead gay couple. Um, and dead because dead for millennia in, in Theros. Mm-hmm. Um, there's Alicia. Um, there is, there's not much in terms of that, of LGBT representation specifically. Mm-hmm. Like they've been, they've been really great about having, you know, like characters of different races and genders. Um, not just, you know, not just dudes, they've been adding more women. Mm-hmm. Definitely the representation, I agree, and the, def- and the representation matters. It It's important for different people to see themselves in the game, that they can be part of the game, that they can enjoy the game, that they're welcome in it, because more people playing Magic... Um, more people enjoying magic, more people getting into magic. It helps it grow. It's been around 25 years. If it's going to be around 25 more years, we want more people playing more magic, and that's more good. Uh, Bad grammar aside. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Like, I mean, like I've said, it it is my favorite game. Mm -hmm. Like, of all games, Magic the Gathering legitimately, like, is my favorite. Well, then that, that segues us into the second half of that question. If it's possible, what is one thing that you can say that you love about Magic? I think the biggest thing that I love about Magic, um, compared to most other games, um, definitely card games, which, I mean, I guess card games can do this, but I haven't seen too many that do this it's just there's such a variety of formats and ways mm-hmm. that you can play magic mm-hmm. uh, it's not you know it's not just grabbing your whatever the rules say how big your deck has to be and then just showing up mm-hmm. you know like there's there's standard there's modern there's drafting which limited <laughs> Limited magic is so fascinating and fun. The idea that you can, with a group of people, slowly construct a deck by just opening random things and Hmm. then, you know, jamming in basic lands where you need them. Yeah. It's, there's, there's so much complexity to the game, not just with it being a game that's been around for a long time and having a lot of cards. Like, the rules itself are uh, in intricate monstrosity to to read through. Um, <laughs> I I did a few times when I was taking rules advisor tests. Um, mm-hmm. It was three hundred and ninety four pages in a PDF back then. <laughs> uh, just there's so many things that you can do within magic. Other than, like I said, just shuffle some cards together and play. Yeah. And yeah, just it's it's variance is so much more than any other game. Just game in general I played. Like I said, like I play a lot 
I play a lot of randomized games and such. Mm. And even just the experience of sitting down and playing like a game of EDH of two different decks that you've never seen interact with each other is insanely cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there's there's no way to know what is absolutely 100% your next best move and there's so much there's so much room for creativity and also so much room for error. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I bet you that even if two people have the exact same deck list and after they shuffle up, the game will not be the same if they play multiple times because of that variance. Who draws what? Who plays what? It's the same deck, but I bet you you're still going to get five different matches, five different games uh, every time they shuffle up. Yeah, I completely. um, As as someone who... I did a lot of drafting after um, the era of... Blade happened. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I I played Valakut back then, um, and then that Pro Tour happened, and the very next FNM because I knew I was playing with a bunch of competitive people that they were going to be showing up with the winning deck, and just like gold or not gold fishing, um, uh, proxying up a Cobblade deck to play against mine. <laughs> it was not fun, but. As someone who is a high-level player watching two people who know what they're doing play a Cobblade Mirror match, <laughs> like, even just the, the, the slight variances of what their, what their sideboard differences are, they could have one or two cards that are a little bit different. They could have the exact same 75 both of them are showing up. And it's it's all about who's playing the deck, what seven or six or... <laughs> god forbid five they're starting with yeah you know like (laughs) it's it's never the same like even even if you stack your curve as much as you can it's still you're using different pieces uh to get to the puzzle of knocking your opponent down from 20 to zero or 10 poison or milling them out Mm -hmm. whatever gets the end whatever gets w I agree about it. Like magic is so many games in one. Um, I listen to Mark Rosewater's podcast all the time, and he often mentions over and over things such as uh, when magic was invented, Richard Garfield wanted it to be a game bigger than the box. That like with a game of Monopoly, it's all in the box. It's all self-contained. There it is. But with magic, there's new cards, there's new strategies, there's different people playing. Even with the same decks, people are going to play them differently. So I like that a lot about magic that yes, it is sort like different games all tied together with the same basic rules but it's different things like i had a crazy 12 player game uh last week where there were all of these skill levels everyone was everyone was playing sort of like a kitchen table anything goes uh people were leaning towards modern and um there were people uh, there was one person that was just learning magic at that moment. So she was learning magic in a 12-player extravaganza. So that was probably fun. And there were people there that had really competitive decks. And someone was really par- proud of their red aggro Itali deck. And I was playing some uh, some fun Demir deck that was messing with everyone at once. Um, and uh, I just like that camaraderie and the ability to... Uh, just so do so many different things with all of these cards. We just pick the perfect cards out of a pool of twenty thousand, and you're gonna make something cool. Yeah, exactly. It's the, the 
there's such a wide variety of people who play the game too and the ways that they approach the game just completely add to it <laughs> when i first started playing it was just um a place called hastings uh was was like an old video rental place Mm -hmm. um they would just every thursday let people come in and play magic uh because usually at least somebody would buy some amount of the magic cards that were there so it would sell something and they mm -hmm. like that mm -hmm. <laughs> but um it was almost always really big almost always really big and we would just someone would come in and ask what we were doing and if they wanted to like sit down and watch um, there was at least somebody who always had, you know, a spare deck to just, like, not exactly deal them in. Mm. Well, sometimes. Sometimes it would be early enough that it's, like, turn two, if you want to, like, take two turns real quick and just hop in. Like, yeah. It was, it was really fun. There was, um, another format that we would do was called, like, Zombies. <laughs> where when someone would die from the main game they would wait for someone else to die and then start doing like side games and if you won the side games you got to come back into the main game with your board state but <laughs> whoever killed you in the main game got to tell you one thing that you had to do every turn <laughs> like and that was so like you were kind of their minion and stuff like it I, I don't know. Mm. <laughs> it's just there's so many different and and in terms of like house rules and stuff like that, I remember um, us not knowing, you know, like how protection worked and stuff like that. Yeah. Pretty much anything that didn't have reminder text, yeah. it was guaranteed your friends probably made something up as to yeah. what it did. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, it's really cool to be involved in magic for a while and see it evolve and having um different games throughout the years and um the latest version magic arena keeping it going and we'll see it going for the next 25 years when we're playing it on holographic projectors in our brains <laughs> yeah exactly when we have uh when we have mom brand eyeglasses oh sure <laughs> <laughs> just on our retinas. Oh no, I misclicked. Wait, how do you how do you misclick inside your own head? <laughs> <laughs> oh no, my synapses. Exactly. <laughs> oh my gosh, that reminds me of one of the greatest card alters I think I've ever seen at a tournament. Mm -hmm. Um, this person they were playing in a legacy tournament, and their brainstorm, um, or no, I'm sorry, their ponder were altered. Uh huh. Um, and their ponders had the, uh, Velociraptor meme, and it said, if your brainstorm gets mental misstepped, do you think you should see a neurologist about that? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's just fun how people can really make the cards their own and mashups. Oh, I've yeah. seen people mash up some... I don't know, like Simpsons memes into their cards and such. And it's just a, a fun, creative thing that people can do. Now, um, the great thing is that we can uh, play magic and talk about magic a lot. But apparently there are other hobbies besides magic. So is there any there other? 
That's what we're about to find out. Are there any other hobbies besides magic that you're into? Um, yeah, like I said, um, I play a lot of video games that weren't designed to be randomized that get randomized. Um, I play saxophone. I've been doing that actually technically longer than magic. Mm-hmm. Um, only by a couple years. I started that in fifth grade and I started playing magic in seven. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that was, um, 18 years. Dang. Yeah. That was when I was 10 and I'm 28 now. That is, mm-hmm. <laughs> I've been doing that for, I admittedly am a bit rusty. It's a bit different when you live in an area where you have neighbors and they'll yeah. knock on your door and ask why you're making so much noise. But, uh, <laughs> Yeah, I music has definitely always been a big part of my life. So when I was told that I could learn an instrument in elementary school, I was like, well, saxophone sounds really cool. And I heard it a bunch in various, you know, various songs on the radio. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'll learn how to play saxophone. And funny enough... Um, my brother, who is a guitar player, said, that's like one of the hardest instruments. Are you sure? And I was like, mm-hmm. it, it is. It doesn't seem that hard. I don't oh, know. Really? Lisa can shred. But, and it's, <laughs> it's funny enough, actually not true <laughs> at all in terms, in terms of wind instruments, um, saxophone is probably one of the easiest to learn to play it's it gets harder later because you have to move so many fingers compared to you know a trumpet or anything where you're more moving your lips to make the pitch correct mm-hmm. but um yeah i'm one of the great things about woodwind compared to brass instruments is if your buttons are in the right spot you're always going to be playing the right note mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, music is, I don't know, music is the other good and wonderful thing. that. Well, now I'm going to expect you to put some music stuff on your YouTube channel when you get it up and running. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, my sister and I have been talking about doing musical stuff together for a very long time. So, yeah, I would I would expect, at the very least, I would be shouting about it from the rooftops and on Twitter, for <laughs> sure. Music related. <laughs> I I used to be in a band a long time ago. <laughs> Actually, not a long time ago. It's probably only like three or four years that has recorded some things. But um, they didn't record anything while I was with them. If there might be live recordings somewhere on the internet, um, mm. but yeah, making music is a difficult and wild process and you can get all the way to the end and play your song and be like ah that didn't sound good mm-hmm. <laughs> well my own hobby isn't as creative as that but what i'm also into well i've got way too many hobbies but one of the ones i'll mention right now is uh comic books i'm into comic books and um, I have a collection that I've uh, that I've had like all my life uh, since my like very first Spider-Man comic book in 1987. I still have that, and 
um, I drew all over it. You know, I drew Spider-Man's eyes. He was missing his eyes, so I had to draw them in. And <laughs> yeah. uh, I still have that. And so little by little through all those years, there's been ups and downs, kind of like magic that I've been into it for a while and then kind of put it away for a little bit. But yeah, like between 1987 and 1992 or so, I was like really into comics and mostly Spider-Man and then did some uh what else was there dark hawk and uh spawn and then i gave it up for a while i guess i got into magic and then uh back into it again uh a few years ago 2014 and i'm back into that so on my youtube channel i do stuff about i do magic videos i do magic gameplay but i also do comic books and besides this uh weekly magic podcast i also do a weekly comic book podcast where i i review a comic book either new or or old and on that one i just reached well on this podcast of magic i've uh, i believe you're going to be um episode number 48 i started it at the beginning of 2019 and i've been doing it every week so uh, i've got about 48 episodes of this magic podcast and the comic book podcast i just went to 191 episodes and that's another weekly thing so that's a little bit over three and a half years that i've been doing that podcast so that's my other big hobby dang that is that's some dedication <laughs> that's awesome i i know some things about comics um Mainly because, as it probably is for a lot of people who play Paper Magic, um, my local game store when I was in Flagstaff, uh, I was originally from Arizona, mm -hmm. um, was actually a comic book store. Mm -hmm. So almost every time that I'd come in, I'd be hearing about, you know, like different weird, crazy changes that would happen and all of this sort of stuff. And a lot of people there also played Hero Clicks. Uh -huh. um i actually got into that for a little bit because they had halo halo ones that came out halo so clicks I bought, yep so i bought some of those and just kind of played them for a while with the other people there i mean as uh, obviously like master chief doesn't you know always match up to superheroes and stuff <laughs> so i wouldn't win too often but you know it was it was fun regardless mm -hmm. it's just like just interacting with people and having fun like I, I don't exactly want to say a disadvantage of arena because it's not at all because you can connect to anyone at any time mm. like it's sometimes i feel myself get a little nervous when i'm seeing like a timer tick down instead of it you know just being an opponent being like like hey are you gonna make a play because with like that sort of stuff it's just someone understanding this board state's pretty difficult. Like, it's cool that you're taking your time. But, like... See, for, for some people, they get nervous around people, so having that aspect taken out yeah. with Arena is actually beneficial to them. And that is... I don't know. Like, like, like I said before, <laughs> there's a lot of a variety to the people who play Magic and just games in general. Mm -hmm. And... Um, in terms of other things that I've read, um, some of the, like, animations, um, like, cartoons that I watch, um, you know, also have comic books sometimes. So, yeah. like, the Adventure Time comics, I've uh, mm -hmm. seen a lot of those, the MLP ones, like, mm -hmm. I don't know. It was, that was one of the best parts about that LGS 
was they just had a big variety and no one ever judged you for what you came up to the counter for. Like, mm-hmm. we're all here for comic books. <laughs> like, yeah. There's there's no judgment at all. And that was a really cool part of it, you know? Yeah, that's the mark of a good shop because oftentimes behavior is modeled from other people. So if the people running the shop were snobbish and like, oh, you're reading that, well, then that would rub off on the people that would visit or that would push away people that were visiting and then just have an echo chamber. So it sounded like, yeah, that shop was uh, uh, good for a lot of things, for magic, for comics, for fostering a good community and such. I remember one of the first comic shops I went to, well, uh, the first, that first comic that I got in that, in, in the, that, those early days, I got it off of the spinner racks at 7-Eleven. I used to live in Imperial Beach. I'm, uh, I'm over here in San Diego and, uh, there's a, there's a seaside town that I lived in called Imperial Beach. And there was a 7-Eleven there. And for whatever reason, my family stopped by there before going to the beach that day. There was a Spider-Man comic and, um, we ended up buying it. And then my dad said, oh, you seem to like comics. Well, there's a shop over here that's all about comics. Do you want to go to that? So we ended up going to that. It was called Omni Comics. It's been long gone. But I remember that shop that it was like, wow, wall-to-wall comics. And there's Batman and there's Superman. There's Wonder Woman. There's Spider-Man. There's everything. And so that really stuck with me. And I, I, I wish I had maybe like pictures of the place or anything like that. I just have my memories, my rapidly deteriorating memories. But I was there and it was, it was cool at that time. Well, as we wind down, um, any final thoughts on anything magic related? Not too much other than I think we're... Are we going to Theros next, or is it the set after? But I'm really excited for that. <laughs> yeah, it's Theros Beyond. Death is next, and then after that is Ikora Layer of Behemoths, I think that's the subtitle. So it's Theros next, and then Ikoria after that. Yeah, no, that sounds super awesome. I, I mean, everybody's speculating as far as I can hear as... Terrible. I'll spice back. I'll spice back. I'll spice yeah. back. I mean, like, I hope so. It's, it's, it would also be interesting to see if Gideon somehow still played a part in the underworld. Even oh, though he didn't, yeah. like, die on Theros. He, you know, as we saw in Heartwarming Redemption, is there. Yeah. That, that, that card, I may not have been particularly attached to Gideon as a character, even if, you know, I, had been playing back then and had known him for quite a while. Yeah. But that card, <laughs> just like, so, and, and seeing that, that, you know, it had the name, uh, um, forgive me if I'm butchering it. I feel like I should probably look it up, but I believe his, uh, name was, uh, Kytheon yeah. on Theros. Yeah, yeah. Like actually seeing that it had that name on it. Just, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Say say what you will about Liliana not having uh, any quote unquote repercussions for her actions, <laughs> as as some have said, but um, they definitely gave Gideon a good send off and treated him well, and I am definitely excited to go back to Theros. Um, devotion, I hope Devotion comes back, even though we're you know in multicultural stuff i just 
it was fun. Mm-hmm. And I'm super excited to be there again. I, I guess that's pretty much all I have to say other than, you know, I'm really glad that they have actually said, hey, we messed up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that the that the company does listen to the fans, even though sometimes it's yes. like steering a an ocean liner that it takes a while to turn. But mm-hmm. I'm glad that they do listen to to the fans, and they heard that this was this was not okay. And hopefully, then they uh, they do write some some lore that that fixes things or writes the ship a little better. And uh, I'll be on board. Would you like to? Promote again your social media, any places where we can find you? Uh, right. Okay. So my Twitter uh, is at MarshmallowCat6. Um, K-A-T, by the <laughs> way. I've just been saying cat this whole time and have not clarified. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is cat with a K. Um, I have a YouTube channel, which is uh, Marshmallow Cat Gaming, and I also have Marshmallow Cat Gaming at Twitch, um, or on Twitch, sorry. Mm -hmm. Um, And I am planning on doing significantly more magic-related things because um, the community really rallying all of this sort of stuff and just... I don't know. I've always, always enjoyed the magic community and thought they've been pretty great and just very open about, you know, there being all kinds of people that Mm -hmm. approach this game all around the world. Mm -hmm. So I definitely want to be, you know, more of a part of that than I have been previously. Like I said, some things got in the way, but that's going Mm -hmm. to be... That's going to be changing soon, so hopefully I'll be um, streaming more Arena and putting out videos of, like I said, not just Arena, but um, various other video games. Um, Mm -hmm. Mostly, I think I've been stuck on Noida a lot recently. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, that's pretty much all that I exist um, everywhere I exist on the internet, excuse me. Um, and it was, uh, pretty nice being on this podcast. Thank you for having me. You're totally welcome. I will put, uh, those links in the show notes so people can, uh, go off and visit you on your various sites, get you a little bit of traffic, uh, get them hanging out with you. As for myself, I'm over on Twitter, twitter.com slash vmcampos. I stream Arena pretty exclusively every Saturday, 11 p.m. Pacific time uh, on Twitch and YouTube. Just search for VM Campos. I actually simul stream. I use some sort of dark magic to do that. Don't ask me how. But I'm on uh, YouTube and Twitch at the same time, 11 p.m. Pacific time. And I I do gameplay there. I do a lot of limited there. I I hang out with people on the chat. I crack packs and stuff, real-life packs and stuff, and just have some fun times there. So besides that, I'm also on Patreon, patreon.com slash vmcampos. If people go to my Patreon and just follow on Patreon, they'll be alerted to everything that I do, and follows are free. If people want to go to the $1 pledge, they'll get access to some of the exclusive stuff that I do. I do deck tech videos here and there. I do planeswalker upgrade videos. Those are pretty popular. 
And if they go to the $2 range, I'll actually mail people some vintage magic cards in thanks. Uh, but no, not a Black Lotus. So that's where people can find me. Patreon, Twitter, Twitch, all of that stuff. So Kat, thank you so much for being on the show. Hope to have you back on a future date and we'll talk a little bit more strategy. Yeah, that sounds good. I'd like that. This has been VM Campos and I'll see you in the arena.